Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Thank you. Thank you so much. Welcome this morning. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so honored to stand on this stage and present the gospel to you today. Uh, Thank you to the Generations team, to Pastor Aaron, to Garrett, to everybody else. You've been incredible hosts to me and my family today, to Pastor Jeremy and to Miss Corey. I know at some point they'll watch this. Thank you for having me uh, come and speak. It's the third service, so it's too late now. Um, There's no taking it back. You've already just jumped in, but I know they'll watch it to see, was it a good idea to let him speak or not? Um, And so hopefully to them it was. But man, I'm so grateful to be here. There's so many great things going on here at Generations Church. You've got groups launching today. You've got your marriage conference coming up. Like, Make sure you plug into those things. Community matters. Life together really is better. And so I'm thankful that you're here today. We're in week three, the concluding week of the series that you started to begin the year called The Book. And it was really intentional for the staff here that you started the year with this series because you're also jumping into a reading plan that's going to last all year long. And so you started January 1, hopefully, and you're going to read the entire Bible over the 365, I think this is a leap year, so 366 days of this year. And so you're reading this together as a church, and there's no more appropriate thing to do than to kick off the year with the series on the Bible. And so you had this series, Dr. Justin Walker was here a couple weeks ago to kick this series off. Um, and he talked out of Psalms 1 and just did an incredible job. Dr. Walker's, he's one of my favorite communicators of all times. Not only is he brilliant, and he is, he's also hilarious. Um, so if you missed that, go back and listen to him. And if you came today expecting that type of knowledge, you probably are just going to want to leave now. Um, you're going to be really disappointed because Justin's way up here, and I know Justin. That's, a, that's about where we're at in that. And so then last week, uh, Pastor Jeremy was here And he spoke on just a really incredible message, really breaking down the foundation of the Bible and how it's laid out and Old Testament, New Testament and prophets and gospels. And and he had incredible graphics on the screen. So don't listen to the podcast of that one. Watch it on YouTube if you weren't here, because just seeing all of those visuals really helps you to understand and appreciate how the Bible is laid out the way that it's laid out. I actually downloaded, they posted all of those uh, graphs on video, on Facebook, and so I actually downloaded them so that I could have them as a resource to revert back to as I study scripture myself. And so he did that last week. And so this week, we're concluding the series, and we're going really practical. And we're really going to be talking today about how do we study the Bible, and whether you've been a Christian for a really long time, or you would find yourself in the category of people that you're like, I'm a new believer, or newish, or I'm still trying to figure this whole thing out, or I don't even know if I believe this or not. Like, if you find yourself in that camp, you really don't know, like, how do I start studying this really big book with a lot of different things that can be really confusing sometimes? And so there's really kind of two primary methods that most people start out studying scripture with. That's either you just start at the beginning and your plan is to read to the end. So you're going to start in Genesis, read to Revelation. There's nothing wrong with that. That's how Generation Church is doing it this year. And so they're reading this start, beginning, and going towards the end. And so I would say over the last 20 or so years, I have tried to do this every year. An emphasis on the tribe there, because I start out great in January, and I've read Genesis probably 20 times. And then I get to Exodus, and I've probably read Exodus like 16 or 17 times. 
And then I get to Leviticus, and I've read the first couple chapters of Leviticus probably about 10 times. And then I'm like, next year's the year, folks. Like, I'm doing it next year. And if you know, you know. Like, you get to Leviticus, and you got to really love Jesus, right? And so if you're reading the reading plan with Generation Church, just know, March 3rd is the first day you're reading in Leviticus. I went and looked ahead. So like on March 3rd, I'll be praying for you because that's when it's going to get real. And so like just buckle up and know like it's coming. And so like we start out the beginning and we read another way that we can study scriptures. I just like to call it the lucky point method. Like you're just like, I don't really know where to start. So I'm just going to open it. And I'm just going to believe that like God is going to inspirationally speak to me right here. And you're like, okay, Ecclesiastes Chapter 1, verse 15, it says, What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. In the name of Jesus, like that just speaks to me, right? Like you just kind of jump in and you don't have a starting place and you don't really know what you're doing, but you're just going to kind of jump into the middle somewhere and hope that it's inspirationally driven for what you need in that moment of your life. And so today, I want to spend the next little while with you really talking about some practical steps that you and I both can apply to our lives to help us be better at studying the Bible. And so I'm going to show you the five points that we're going to walk through today all at one time. If you're a note taker, don't panic and feel like you got to write them all right now. We're going to come back to these individually, but I want to show you all five. So number one, choose a translation you understand. Number two, choose a time, a place, and a plan for studying. Number three, understand the context, then read slowly and ask questions. And the fifth one we'll talk about today is pray for God to speak to you and apply what he shows you. And so that's where we're going today. We're going to look at these five things of really how to become better studiers of the gospel. And so before we get to the first one, I want to read you a passage of scripture out of Philemon chapter one. We're going to read verses seven and eight. And I'm reading in the King James version right now. It says, For we have great joy and consolation in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Evidently, Hulk Hogan jumped in here. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient. Can I get a big amen? I read this, and this isn't today to say, like, if you read King James, you're wrong, and you have to read that. I I want you to read the translation truly that you connect with. And if you connect with King James, I love King James for what it is and the poetry a part of it. But I really do want us to focus on reading translations of Scripture that we understand. And when I look at this, I don't use the word bowels regularly in my vocabulary. If you do, I assume it's because you're a doctor. And if you're not a doctor then that's just weird. Like, I don't use that word. I don't think I've ever in my life said the phrase, enjoin thee. If we're real honest here, I'm not even sure I fully know what it means. Like, this is going back to the, like, you're not getting Justin Walker today, folks. Like, you're just not. And so, like, I don't, I don't use this translation often because I don't, I don't connect with it. I don't, I don't fully understand it. And so our first point today is we have to choose a translation that you understand. The King James Version of the Bible was written in 1611, and it is a translation of the scriptures. The scriptures were originally written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, and so it is a translation. It's a widely used and widely accepted translation, but it, just like the New King James or the NIV or the NLT or the ESV, is a translation in and of itself. I personally, I prefer and enjoy using the NIV. I also use the NLT and the ESV as I'm studying, preparing, because I like to see the different ways that different 
things are put together. But you have to connect to the translation, and you have to understand the translation. And to to illustrate this today, we're going to play a quick game. We're going to play a game called Cap or No Cap. And so if you're over the age of like 35 or 40, you have no idea what I just said, unless you're trying to stay cool with the kids today. But we're going to play this game called Cap or No Cap to illustrate that language over time changes. And so the first one is Jesus rose on the, first, on the third day. Is that cap or is that no cap? Okay, I got a couple cool people that know what we're talking about here that said no cap. And if you said no cap, you're correct. If you said nothing, you go, what on earth are we talking about? It's not my fault. I didn't invent it. This is the teenager's fault. Just blame them. I'm now the older guy blaming teenagers on things. And so, but no, but no cap means I'm not lying or I'm telling the truth. And cap means I'm telling a lie. And so that's where we're going with this game. All right, so the next one is James was the disciple that Jesus loved. Is that cap or is that no cap? Cap, Cap, yes. That was John that Jesus said that he loved, or at least John said that Jesus said that, right? The next one is Noah built the ark. Is that cap or is that no cap? No cap. You're getting along with it now. Yours is now officially the trendiest church in Cherokee County because everybody knows cap. Or no cap. Grandparents in the room, just call your grandkids this afternoon and be like, hey, grandma loves you, no cap. And it's going to freak them out. (laughs) The next one, Daniel was in the belly of the whale. Is that cap or is that no cap? That's cap. They know that that wasn't Daniel in the belly of the whale, right? And so you understand what we're going with here, right? Like language over time changes. And so you have to pick a translation of the scriptures that you personally can connect with. It's got to be something that you understand and that you can truly draw inspiration and knowledge out of and not trying to read something that you feel like you don't understand every third or fourth word, right? So that's the first point. The second point today is we have to choose a time, a place, and a plan for studying. And so that's, that's the second thing that we're going to talk about today. So if, if I were to poll about 20 people in the room on what time you ate dinner, on a typical night, I know there's the anomaly that things change, but if I just pulled people and asked, like, what time you eat dinner, I would probably get three or four different answers, right? Like, for my family, my wife and I, we've got a two-year-old little girl who turns three next month. We're also expecting, and not just normal expecting, we're expecting with twins. Um, so send prayers our way and also thousands of diapers because we're going to need them. And so, but for us, with a little girl who's two who wants to make bath time and bedtime take forever as it is... Like, we try to typically eat dinner between 5 and 6 at night so that we can get home from work, get dinner going, eat dinner so that we can have some time to play and then start bath time and then do the thousand things that you have to do before you can finally convince her that it's time to get in bed. And so we do all of these different things, but that means we eat dinner between 5 and 6. If you eat dinner most nights between 6 and 7, raise your hand. Most nights, a bunch of hands go up. That's a normal time to eat dinner. If you eat dinner between like, or you would say you eat dinner after 8 p.m., most nights you eat dinner after 8 p.m. Raise your hand. Couple hands in the room, couple hands in the room. So who's right and who's wrong? Nobody, right? Well, unless you eat dinner after 8, then you're wrong. Like, that's bedtime for me. But we, there's no right and there's no wrong. There's just different. And so for you, when it comes to studying the scriptures, to studying your Bible, you have to pick a time that works for you, Right? Like, you can't just do it because this is when this person says that they do it the best. Like, what works for you? And if you don't pick a time that in the regular flow of your life, that's when you read. It's never going to become a part of the regular flow of your life. And so if it's just, I don't know, I'll get to it at some point, you're never going to get to it because life's busy. 
And so if you are a morning person, you say, I'm going to read first thing in the morning, great. If you say, like, I can't function enough to even, like, take care of my children in the morning, then morning's probably not the time for you. You need to do it at a different time. And so, but you've got to pick the time that works for you. For me and for Lauren, like, our times and our places are drastically different because what works for her doesn't necessarily work for me. And so you've got to pick that time and that place. If we go back to the dinner analogy, most of the time you probably eat dinner in the same location. You're either a family that eats at the dinner table most nights, and it's a special thing when we eat in the living room, right? Or you're like a lot of typical American families where you eat in the living room most nights, and then you have this one room called a dining room that you eat in three times a year, right? And so like, but you always do it in the same place. And when you come to your Bible reading, you need to set the same rhythms. When are you going to do it? Where are you going to do it? What is the plan going to be to actually do it? And thankfully, Generations Church, they're giving you the plan piece. So 33% of it, for my math people in the room, 33% of it's already taken care of for you. Now, if you don't want to do that plan, that's okay. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, there are tens of thousands of amazing Bible studies and things like that on there. You can find Bible studies that are book studies or anything. You can search studies on Amazon and buy a book that's a study. Like, There's a lot of options out there of how to study or what to study, but you've got to pick for you where and when you're going to study God's Word. And once we get to March 3rd, where you start Leviticus, I would highly recommend your time and place not be 1130 at night in bed, because you're going to struggle to continue to be faithful in that. But you've got to pick that for you. The third, and we're going to jump into our scripture here in just a second, the third way of how to study the Bible is we must understand the context. we got to understand context. If I were to host a dinner party at my house and I found three or four different people and I said, hey, I need, I need you to bring the protein for the meal and I need you to bring the dairy and I need you to bring the produce and I need you to bring the spices, like what meal are we having? Anybody know? We're having tacos. Like, how did you not know that? Why did you bring that dairy instead of this dairy? And why that produce? But context matters, right? We have to have context around things. And so when we get to studying scripture, we have three questions that we can really ask of how to get some context around what we're actually reading. And those three questions are, who who wrote it? Whom was it written to? And what was the main purpose of it being written? And so we're going to jump into our scripture today. We're going to be in Philemon chapter 1. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV today. And so in Philemon chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, and to the church that meets in your home. So right here in the first two verses, we get the first two questions we've asked. Who wrote it? It was Paul. And secondly, whom was it written to? And it was written to Philemon and the church that meets in his home. So we've already got the two questions of the three that we want to ask. And to get context, we'll continue reading in a minute. But this letter was written from Paul to Philemon, primarily revolving around a situation that's happened with a slave that Philemon had that stole from him and ran away named Onesimus. And Onesimus stole from him, ran away, and he actually met Paul in Rome, and Paul led him to salvation in Jesus Christ. It's an incredible story. And so Paul is now writing to Philemon, begging him and pleading on on Onesimus' behalf for him to be accepted back 
as a brother in Christ and to not be persecuted or tried for the mistakes that he's made in stealing from him and running away. Because in that day and in that culture, he could have been thrown in prison or even at worst, even put to death. And so this is the situation that we find ourselves. So if we continue reading, we'll pick up in verse 4. And it says the following. It says, this is Paul writing to Philemon. It says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It kind of sounds like he's buttering him up. Like he's really talking him up big right here. It says, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective and deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. And so you have a little bit of the context now. We know who wrote it. We know who it was written to. And now we kind of have a broad understanding of what is the context of this story. What is the context of what we're reading? And you go, that all sounds awesome, but what do I actually do with it? I'm glad you asked. That's a great question. Generations Church for years now has promoted a way of studying the scriptures called SOAP. SOAP stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. So we're going to kind of talk through each of these. Scripture, that's what we're reading. So for us today, for this illustration, that's Philemon chapter 1. The observation is it was written by Paul to Philemon and about this story that's taking place with Onesimus. That's the observation. That is what we have observed of this story. And so I told you we have five points today. We've hit three of them. Point four and five really are going to tie hand in hand with this application piece and this prayer piece of the soap guide. So I'll revert back to soap over the next two points as we get to them. So let's just jump in to point four, but remember the soap guide. Got it? Awesome. So point number four is you must read slowly and ask questions. Now, if you're part of the reading plan for Generations Church, let me ask this. Anybody willing to be honest and say, like, it's the 21st of January. I've already missed a day or two. Like, you're already behind. Bunch of hands. My hand's up. Like, for my reading plan to begin the year, like, I've already had to play catch up more times than I'd like to admit to you on this stage today. But that's just reality of life. Life happens sometimes, right? As we build these habits, as we build these routines, we're going to have times that dinner doesn't happen between five and six, and we got to just revert and make up the plan as we go. And so for us today, as we're planning to do this, the biggest issue I have when I'm reading my Bible is oftentimes I sit down, and I'm like, okay, I got to read Genesis 32 and 33. Let me see how fast I can do it, right? Like how quickly can I get through this? And we just speed read it. But what if you actually said in 2024, I want to make my studying of the scriptures different? What if this is the year that I actually want to grow deeper with God and not just completely just the check boxes? right? We're so good at, I did it. I did that. I did that. I live off of a to-do list. And so I can sometimes find myself putting reading God's word and spending time with God as a to-do. And so what if we actually slowed down and we asked questions and you said, well, what questions do I ask? Man, you're asking great questions today. There's two questions that you can ask every time you study God's word. What does this say about God? And what is God saying to me? 
What does this say about the nature and the character and the goodness and the forgiveness of God? And then what is this saying about me? How can I apply this to my life? What changes do I need to make in my life when it comes to this set of scriptures? When it comes to this story, how do I see myself in this story? Am I like Philemon that I need people in my life that I need to be forgiving? Are there people that have maybe done me wrong, but I need to find forgiveness? Like who am I playing in this story? What character am I playing, right? And so you, you ask these questions like, what does this say about the character of God? Like, man, the forgiveness that he extends. The, the, he's a God of second chances, right? And so if we go back to the soap, this is that application piece, the A for application. Like, you asking these questions, like, how do you actually take what's written in this text and apply it to your life? And if you do that and you slow down and you ask questions and you really search out your heart and you search out what God's teaching you, you're going to look up a year from now. You're going to look up towards the end of 2024 and realize that there's truly been life change that's taken place. There's true differences made in your heart. And it's not just, man, I've checked that box a bunch of times and I've done my reading, but I have no idea what I actually read because I was thinking about a thousand other things while I read it, right? Our fifth point, as we prepare to close in just a minute, is pray to God or pray for God to speak to you and apply what he shows you. We've got to pray to God. And so if we go back to the soap, the P in soap is prayer. So it ties right in. And so we've got to pray and ask God, like, what is this going to be speaking into my life? How does this apply to me? What do I do with this? And you write out a prayer. So if you do a soap guide, if you do a soap journal, you're going to write a scripture, then you're going to write something that you observe, and maybe it's one of those questions of who wrote it or who was it written to, what's the context. Then that application piece, you're going to write that out. How does it apply to who you are and what you're going through? And then you're going to pray through this. And so a lot of this message that I've prepared to you, when I was preparing it and praying over it, a lot of it to me came across like TED Talks, like a lot of practical steps, a lot of practical pieces. And so I'm going to transition a little bit from like TED Talk to Pastor Talk for just a couple of minutes as we conclude today. And so I want to jump in to the story again. In verse 8, it says this. It says, therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and I could order you what you ought to do, this is it's super powerful because of the context of what was taking place here. Really, Paul could have been writing this letter to Philemon and just told him, hey, this is what's happened with Onesimus. You must do this. He could have required him to do it. He could have told him. But he said, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son, while I was in chains. That's a really powerful statement right there because former slave is now being called a son by Paul. The transition and the heart change that only God can do is powerful. Let's go ahead and go to the next verse. Verse 11, formerly he, Onesimus, was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I've loved this verse for a long time, but as I prepared this message, this verse has really kind of like just pulled on my heartstrings a little bit, and I've noticed a couple of things differently, and it kind of struck a different nerve with me this time, because there's three really, really, really important words in this. The first is formerly, and then the next two are but now. And you cannot have a formerly aspect of your life 
without the but now aspect of your life. And so if you're a follower of Jesus in the room today, and I recognize and realize that in a room this large, I hope that not everyone in here is a follower of Jesus because I want you every single Sunday you show up bringing someone with you that may be far from God. I want you inviting people that it's gonna be a little uncomfortable because here's what I know about Generations Church. This is a place that you can belong to long before you believe. This is a place that accepts you right where you are, but man, they just love you too much to let you stay there. So they're gonna challenge you and they're gonna do some things that may make you a little uncomfortable, but that's okay. Lean into that uncomfort because it all comes out of love. And so what I know about this place is I know that this place is a lot like me, that there are really good people in here that love Jesus and are close to Jesus, but there's not a single person in this room, myself included, Pastor Jeremy and Ms. Corey included, that are not a formerly but now person. You see, for me, I have a formerly. I have a pre-relationship with Jesus. Formerly, Trevor was this. Formerly, Trevor was a sinner. Formerly, Trevor dealt with this. But now, he's redeemed. He's restored. He's forgiven, he's chosen, he's loved. And so you, if you're a follower of Jesus in the room, you also have a formerly but now story. Formerly you dealt with this. Formerly you did that. But now you're full of hope. Formerly you were mean, but now you're full of grace. Formerly you were this, but now you're, you know your story. You know what your formerly is. And so today, as we close, I want to throw the five points back up on the screen one more time. There's really two aspects to this message. There's a really practical for the followers of Jesus in the room that say 2024 needs to be different. 2024 needs to be the year that I, that I dig into God's word to a level that I've never done it before. And this is the year that maybe I change the translation that I read and I find something that connects to my heart. This is the year that you choose a time and a place and a plan and you stick to it. Yeah, there's gonna be nights that me and Lauren and Liddy eat dinner at eight o'clock, but man, most days I'm trying between five and six. And so you find a plan and we eat at the table. This is the year that you understand the context. You ask questions, you dig into it, you start figuring out who wrote it and who was it written to and why was it written? And then you really slow down. Number four is the hardest for me, if I can be honest. But I slow down and ask questions. God, what are you really speaking to me in this text? What do you really want me to know about Onesimus, about Paul, about Philemon? Like, who do I need to forgive in my life? What's the hurts that's been done to me? Like, God, where are the places that I need to go and I need to, like, champion for someone else? I need to be Paul for some people. I need to go to somebody and just champion for someone else and talk about how great they are. And then the fifth is I need to really truly spend time after I complete the checkbox and I need to pause and I need to pray and then I gotta go live it out and I gotta apply it. So if you're a follower of Jesus in the room today, like that's the practicals of how to study God's word. But if you're in the room today and you go, I don't know if I'm in yet. There is a comma, but now option for your life. It's there. It's right there. 
there's, 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 this, there's the now, but there's the option for the now to become the former. And it's through relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, in a moment, we're gonna pray, and I'm gonna close, and if you're in the room today, and you're like, I've never made that jump. I've never gotten out of the way that I've lived, but I'm tired of living the way that it, I live. I'm tired of me trying to be in control and in charge of everything, and I'm ready to give that over to God then today's your day that you get the comma but now in your life. It's the greatest decision that you could ever make. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in the room today and you would say, I'm, I'm living in the now, but I want it to become the formerly but now. If that's you today and you wanna say, I'm a sinner in need of a savior and I want God to become and the Lord and savior of my life, I just want you to lift your hand and then you can put it right back down. Thank you so much. Secondly, if you're in the room and there's not gonna be a response to this, you don't have to stand or lift your hand or anything. This is between you and God. If you're a follower of Jesus in the room today and you would say like, today is the day, 2024 is the year that it's different. I don't just try to read God's word. I actually put a plan in place and I, and I stick to it. I put some practical steps in my life and some things in my life to, to grow closer to God in my walk with him through my study of his Holy Scripture today, if that's you, man, I want you in a moment when I pray, I want you to also pray. Pray that God would give you the clarity of mind to pray. I pray that you would come up with a plan that works for you. And I pray that you would then just have a deeper love and deeper passion for the scriptures than you've ever had. It's not just a book. It's incredible. It's life-changing. I believe it can be the greatest year of your life if you would say, this is the year that I dig into. God, we love you. God, we thank you. I thank you right now for every person that's in here that may be far from God or they're, they're close, but they're not sure. But God, I pray right now that people in this room, whether they lifted their hand or not, that's irrelevant. But God, right now in their heart, they can say, God, I need you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. There's some things that are in my now that I need to become in my formerly. So God, I pray for life change to take place today. I pray for people to enter into relationship with Jesus today, that it just, all we have to do is admit that Believe in our heart that you died for us. Confess our sins. God, it says that all of heaven will celebrate even when one does that. And God, I pray for the people in the room today that are followers of Jesus, myself included, God, that we would have a deeper love this year for the scriptures than ever before. God, we love you. We thank you. In your name I pray. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.